I ask it in Jesus' name. So I want to I get into this, and we're actually, uh, I'm just, just for an introduction, so if you have your Bibles with you today, you could actually turn to Judges, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to be doing the majority of the teaching today from Judges, the sixth chapter. And um, uh, as a way of introduction, I just wanted to remind you, as, as we even sang in that second song this morning, this one thing I desire, and uh, it's this God's presence, and this is something I want you to get into your heart, God's presence changes everything. When God shows up, everything changes. The Bible is a really a simple message of how God has showed up in human history, in human life, in human misery even, in human uh, predicaments, how the, the Bible is a, is a continuous message of how God just shows up in our need. And when God shows up, everything changes, including us. And so I want to kind of give you a, a synopsis of this from the old and from the new. In the Garden of Eden, when even when Adam and Eve had sinned, we're in Genesis chapter uh, 1, is, is how God created everything. And there's Genesis 1.8 talks about how God instituted the principle of seed time and harvest. And how that that principle, um, God shows up in that principle because he said this will be throughout time that there's the, there's the seed and the, and, and the seed is in the fruit and, and that as long as this thing continues, he was, he was giving a principle. And, uh, and then if you go on from Genesis 1-8, it isn't long that man sins and God shows up in the garden and in Genesis, you know, he ta it talks about how God just, uh, he, he showed up in, now think about that. God showed up in, in and after Adam and Eve sinned, and he showed up for his time with Adam because he, he had created Adam for that kind of fellowship. And, um, and, and the story of redemption is found in, in those, uh, those verses in Genesis 3, and we'll talk more about that, but I just want to give you that overview. Then in, in Abraham's life, in Genesis 15, 1, God calls a man in, with, with the idea of a covenant that he will join himself to so he can release his presence back in the earth because sin uh, he, he, has taken root in the earth and what God needs is a way for the cycle of life and the cycle of salvation to be brought. So he calls a man named Abram in Genesis 15.1. He promises him that if he'll walk you know, uh, in obedience to him that he would be with him which is a promise of his presence. Then in Moses' story where we see after Abraham's departure, uh, Israel goes into bondage for 400 years, and then God raises up a man called Moses. And when God calls Moses in Exodus 3.12, he tells him, I want, you to go to, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and you tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, who, who, should, I, who should I say sent me? And he says, you tell them I am sent me. And, Mo and Moses says, how do you think they're going to believe me? And here's what God tells him. He says, I'm with you. That's all he told him. He didn't tell him how. He just said, I'm with you. 
Can I just submit to you this morning that for many of you, you're trying to find out how God's going to do something. And God doesn't always let us in on the how, but he does promise, I will be with you. And so we're going to see that why that's important. Then in the life of Jesus, we know Jesus came to institute a new covenant and a new life. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that it's by, by beholding and living in the presence of Jesus that we are changed. And we're changed into that same image. And so that was the purpose of Christ, to, to come and reveal the heart of the Father and bring us in, back into his presence where we had been shut out. And that's the whole message of the Bible from beginning. And then we see through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and then the, God, the, the, the epistles and the book of Revelation tell how God continues this and wraps it up with the promise of his presence to fill the earth, and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like it, the water covers the sea. So I, I want you to get that set in your heart, because we're about to go on a journey here that you've got to understand this to, to really grasp this. So I'm gonna, I want to read for you today out of Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to establish for you this principle of cycles, shackles, and spectacles. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Are you all ready for this? Okay. Thank you. I need to know. For some reason, I'm feeling a little insecure right now. I need to know that you're with me. Everybody say, I'm with you. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, are you really with him? That's a good question right there. (laughs) Glory to God. So I'm going to read from Judges, the sixth chapter. We're going to talk about these three things, cycle, shackles, and spectacle. And so what I need is, I need someone, I need two someones who will come and help me. That's, you're of reasonably good health because I'm going to ask you to stand a little bit up here. So I need, I need two volunteers. Okay, then I'm going to draft two people. Is it really? Tyler, come on up. You were, and Keith, there we go. Oh, Josie, come on. Tyler and Josie, you go back and, you should have moved faster. Pray for Keith. He's, all right, come on up here. So, I want you all to stand here, right, one on my left and one on my right. You know, I need help today. So here's yours. Oops. Did I spell that right? Yeah. Okay, so here, here, there. Everybody get a picture. Put this on Facebook. It's not every day I'm bookended by good-looking people. So, so I want to talk to you about these two things and why they're important, because again, this is something God's really been uh, dealing with me and dealing as, 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 as pastor. Uh, I, I want to I speak to you today from a shepherd's heart. Can I do that? Because I got to tell you, there's some things that I'm deeply concerned about. There's some things and things I've watched and am watching, and, 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 it, and it, it just it keeps me on my knees. And it keeps me seeking God for these, for these things that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one we're going to talk about is cycles. 
And uh, so I want to give you the definition of what cycles is, and then I want to share with you what that represents. Or, and, and hopefully what you will see today is that, and, and I really pray that God will give you hearing ears to hear. How, how many of you realize that our lives are lived in cycles? Now the Bible talks about this extensively. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, to everything there is a season. What is a season? It's a cycle. And uh, in Indiana, we have four cycles, unfortunately, because we're about to go into the, the good cycle. And, uh, and the good, the, here, here, oh, here's why I call it the good cycle, because once this cycle is over, we get into a better cycle. I mean, I, how many of you love winter? Be honest. How many of you love winter? God bless you. All right, so I, I can't say that I love winter. I used to when I was young. I used to love playing in the snow. I don't love playing in it much anymore. But, but if you do, God bless you, and I hope that you have a great winter. I'll be writing you from Florida. And uh, so anyway, so, but cycles are a are, are, are thing, but I want to give you a dictionary. This is a dictionary definition of cycles, and then I'm going to give you the practical definition of cycles, and then we're going to give you the Holy Ghost definition of cycles. How's that? Yeah, okay. Well, I can just see it's time to take this coat off. So the, the, the definition of cycles is a recurring course of events, so like a season, you know, our seasons, I've, I've been up here most of all my life, and... Um, so I know, I know what's coming. It's no shock that winter's on the way. And uh, it's a recurring course of events, which lead back usually to a starting point. That's the dictionary definition, which usually lead back to a starting point. Now that's the dictionary definition. Now in the practical sense, what, what I want you to see is that life is lived in cycles where we tend to run in, we tend to run in a recurring course of events in our walk and our lives and with many of us the problem with that is that we seem to keep coming back to a starting point instead of making breakthrough and progress now that, that sounds negative I'm, I'm just not I'm not being I don't want to be negative this morning but I want to be honest with you because it's for many of us it's it's many of you are Many of you have been a Christian for many, many years. And, but here's the thing. You can say, well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. My question is, are you a Christian with 20 years of maturity, or are you a one-year-old Christian with 20 cycles? Boy, did you hear that thud hit the room? <laughs> Y'all got my back, right? I really need you. I, and, and, but but listen, again, think about it. There's a lot of people who have been around the things of God and, and around church for a lot of their life. And, and yet, there's a, my question is, are they really demonstrating a progress, a, a moving forward? A, like we read in, we didn't actually read it, but I quoted it out of 2 Corinthians, where we move from glory to glory. For a lot of believers, it's glory to glory.
I mean, it's like we, we, we make, we, we, and, and what this is, though, it's, 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 it's not so bad that, that we have to learn, but here's the problem. How many times do we have to learn? And so I want to read to you in Judges chapter 6, and, and so here in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, here's what it says. Then the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. They just weren't doing right. Don't let the word evil throw you because it wasn't, you know, like they were, it wasn't like they were doing some really uh, low down things. It's just that they weren't putting God first. It wasn't that they were, you know, like uh, <laughs> deep in the pits of, of sin. It, it's just that they weren't, they weren't doing what God had instructed them and they had covenanted to, to put him first in everything. And so here's, that's what that is, because the word evil, evil actually is, is, is defined in the scripture as something that's worthless. That's all. It's just something that's worthless. You know, there's no value to it. How many things in this world are just, there's just no value to them? So you know what the Old Testament referred to that? It called it evil. Okay, moving right along. In our, in our culture, we call it entertainment. All right, moving right along. Here we go. And the Lord, now listen, listen to this. It says, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Wow, how do you know that's a long, that's a long cycle? A seven-year cycle that they were handed over into the hands of the Midian. Because, because their cycle of life had brought them to a place where they were giving themselves over to what was worthless, had no value, and so God says, look, you want to chase after the, the things of the world and everything? I'm just going to give you over, and, 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 and here's the thing. See, this, this is important today because a lot of you religious people are going to interpret what I'm saying is that if you don't do right, that God is going to get you. And that God is going to punish you. I'm going to tell you today that you do not get punished for your sin. Because Jesus took all of your punishment on the cross when he died. But I will tell you this. We get punished by our sin. You say, Pastor Mike, are you just playing word games with it? No, listen, it, it, because in the religious world, we go, God's going to get you. God's heart is to save you. It's not his will that any should perish. Say amen, somebody. That's God's heart is to save us and deliver us and free us from the cycles of defeat and the cycles of sin. And, but what happens is, here's the principle. Galatians 6, 2, Paul said this, be not deceived. This goes way back to Genesis. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall. So when you do wrong and you, and you get punished by the thing that you're doing, in other words, the consequences come back to bite you in the you-know-what. Don't blame God for that. And don't say, well, God's trying to get me or God's trying to punish me because that's, you're not being punished by God. You're being punished by your sin. And God gets such a bad rap. 
I mean, how would you, how do we come to a God that's so hateful and vengeful that he's ready to pounce on us? God is merciful. His love is enduring. His loving kindness is new every morning. I'm telling you, God is trying to break cycles of sin and failure off of our life so that we can, listen, just like you can sow to the flesh and reap corruption, you can sow to the spirit and get in a life cycle where there's blessing on top of blessing, on top of favor, on top of blessing, on top of fruitfulness, because God's cycles are true too. Just like you can have a cycle of defeat and failure, you can have a cycle of life where God's pouring out the blessings of God on your life and everything you put your hand to, he blesses it, he touches it, and he increases it. Man, I'm proud. That's about to make me happy. See, because you know preachers, we're famous for only preaching the negative. Sin, oh, sin's going to kill you. I, I, I know, listen, the cycle for here was, in, Israel just had a hard time getting this. So listen, listen, let's read on. Verse 2, the powerful hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Now, now we know that the, the reason they prevailed with the power, their powerful hand is because they were being, they were reaping what they, okay, you got that? Yeah, I want you to get that because that's important because I'm going to tell you something, God is good all the time. So the powerful hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because Midian, the sons of Israel, made for themselves dens which were in the mountains. So here, so listen to this, because the because of Midian, listen to this, the sons of Israel made for themselves dens, hideouts. Now, I'm reading this out of the Amplified. It, it, in parentheses, it says hideouts. So here's the victorious covenant people of God hiding in dens in the mountains because of the Midianites who were, who were prevailing against them because they were found themselves in a seven-year cycle of defeat. Now, watch what this says. You stay with me here. This is, this is good stuff. It says, they made for themselves hideouts which were in the mountains and caves and the mountain strongholds. For it was whenever Israel sown their seed that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the people of the east and go up against them. So you see, here's the picture. Here was the cycle for seven years. Israel had to hide out in the dens. They had to play this game of cat and mouse because if the Midianites would see them, they would jump them. They would attack them. If they, they had to play this, this hide-and-seek thing, so they hid and made, made hideouts in the dens and caves and, and lived in strongholds and, and, and places that would be difficult for the Midianites to, to chase them down and corner them. And so can you get the picture? God's people are kind of hiding out. And what would happen is they would come out at the spring of the year and they would sow their seed for the incoming year's harvest because they needed that harvest to survive. And so the cycle was that, that, that they, they were in complete failure because, because they, kept, they kept trying to get in this 
place of finding sustenance in everything. But, but here's what would happen. They would go into shackles. Are you with me? Did I read verse 4? I don't think I read verse. Look at verse 4. So they would camp against them and destroy the crops of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel. Here's a pretty clever plan of the enemy. He would let them go out and hoe the ground. Good plan. He would let them go out, buy the seed, sow the seed. And then when harvest time came, guess what happened? They came and stole the harvest. And it says they would leave them no sustenance. The word sustenance there is the word for impoverished. They were impoverished. They were, they were starving. They were, they were desperate for some kind of uh, uh, food to, to sustain them, even for daily life. So you get this cycle, this picture, is that their life was, we will go out in the spring, we sow, we pray, oh God, help us, and I'm sowing seed, and I'm doing this, but the cycle would come then in the fall, and all of a sudden, Midianites and their armies would show up, and they would harvest the crops, and, and they would steal the harvest from the Israelites, and then they would go back, and Israel would be left with nothing. How, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like a, a, a devil's strategy against every person on this planet. The thief, John 10, 10 says, the thief cometh but for to rob, kill, and destroy. You with me? Yeah, y'all with me, right? Are, are y'all quiet because you're sensing, is he talking to me? How many of you ever felt like, I just can't get ahead. Don't raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. <laughs> Stay hid in the dens. How many of you ever said, you know, I just can't seem to get the breakthrough. It's, I, I did this, I did that. I, I, and just when it comes time to, to get through and to cross over, it just because see, the cycles really kind of represent uh, what, what life was like in Egypt. Because Israel was slaves in Egypt. And so you could say that they were back into slavery because they were doing all the hard work, but not enjoying any of the benefits. There's a lot of Christians who are doing a lot of hard work who are not enjoying any of the benefits. Because of cycles. Cycles of sin, cycles of failure. I've watched this. I've watched this over, over the course of, uh, of the struggles. I've learned this in my own personal life. I've been around for a long time. I, I watched this in my, my walk with God because I, I saw early in my life, I, I saw how come, I, it seems like, I, you know, when my wife and I, my, when my wife and I, if we first got saved, we were, we were as poor as Job's turkey, so to speak. Yeah, we were, the, we were the families that received the benefits of, of turkey blessings and turkey, you know, because we, because I came out of, I, I just came out, because of the way I was living my life, the way I was doing, it was just poverty, it was just, because I was, 
I was drinking up everything I had. I was smoking up everything I had. I was willing to give up everything I had just to get high. Come on, I'm just telling you the truth. I was living a life of a cycle of failure, a cycle of sin. And then Jesus came in, and he came into my life. And then I had, I had this thing happen to me where God began to show me because I was, listen, I still was broke when I got saved. No, I'm telling you the truth. I was still broke when I got saved. And I, I learned about a principle of, of giving and tithing. And my wife and I, on what little bit we made. Listen, when my wife and I got married, I was making $4.25 an hour. And ready to raise a family on that. And... and I didn't understand that, but, but I got, we got saved, and we just started, we started learning the principle of sowing, the cycle of sowing, and we took what we had, and we, even on $4.25 an hour, we started paying tithes, and that wasn't long that I got a promotion, and then I got a new job, and then at that job, I got a promotion, and before long, I'm making th- three times that in a short amount of time. My wife goes and takes a test with the government, and they hire, can you believe they hired my wife as a postmaster or a post, what do you call that? A post carrier. And you know what was really sick about it? She hired in it more money than I was making. Don't tell me about women's equality. I'm like, how did they do that? And I mean, it was a great job, and now we're, we're growing, and all of a sudden, between the two of us, we're making over $25 an hour, which was pretty good in those days. Why? Because we were sowing seeds. We were sowing, God was breaking the cycles of poverty and lack and want off of us. God was breaking me free of a poverty mentality and a, a way of living my life like a miser and a geyser, and I tried to protect everything, but now I'm giving things away, and God... I just got, I got no room to receive it. Because that's really, cycles work both ways. If you sow to the spirits, you reap everlasting life. We were just sowing, sowing. I was breaking cycles of death off of my life. You know, when I got saved, I still had the same brain before I got saved. And God began breaking cycles of death and bad stinking thinking off of me. Let me tell you something. A lot of people, they keep trying, they sow seed, and then you jerk it up out of the ground by the very confession of your mouth. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, I'm going to give this, and probably after this, I'm going to die. You sound like that widow woman. Here, Elijah, you can have this, because after this, we're all dead. Elijah said, bring it to me. And when you, (laughs) she brought it, and God blessed it. And it took her through a famine, and her and her son ate real, 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 real good. Because I'm here to tell you, when you get involved in the cycles of God and the cycles of life, God will show you how to get by even in a famine, even in a land of want, how God will favor you and show his goodness on you, and he will shower you with everything you need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Don't, I'm not here to take up an offering. Don't worry. Don't squeeze your bu- b- b- billfold. That's what I was trying to say, not your butt. I would never say that. Are y'all tired yet? You see how, this isn't easy, is it? I do this every Sunday. So here's these cycles. 
they would, they would sow seed. So Tyler, I mean, think about it. They would sow seed, and, they, and then would come harvest time, and then their harvest would be taken from them. And this went on for seven years, for seven years, these cycles. And I'm here to tell you, I came today because I, I, I've watched this happen in people's lives. Right here, right here in this church, right here in this congregation. Good people, people who love God, people who are trying and seeking to sow the seeds into the things of God. And yet the devil, he's trying to steal from you, rob from you, kill from you. And I came to do something prophetic here today because I came to declare to you that as sure as I'm standing here today, God is ready to break some cycles off people's lives. God is ready to break your cycle of defeat and failure. He's ready to bring you into freedom and set you free from your cycle of poverty. I feel like, I feel like a 30-year-old today. I don't have very often. And so, moving right along. And so, God, I believe today, see these reoccurring course of events, I want to tell you something. If you want to break these cycles, you've got to start doing what you've never done before. And if you want to break these cycles, you got to stay faithful in those things God's showing. You can't just sow one seed and think you can go on now. you got to keep sowing. Even if it's a little thing, you just keep doing it. You keep doing it. Some of you are having a hard time even feeling the presence of God. Can I challenge you with something? You show up here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. and you promise God, I'm going to come for seven days, God. I'm going to come for seven days. I'm going to get my butt out of bed. I'm going to come seek your face for seven days. I guarantee you this, at the end of seven days... God is going to show you something you've never seen before. He's going to break a cycle in your life that you've never seen broken before by, because you have put something into operation when you obey God. Right. I don't want to come at 6 a.m. Well, how about this? You come every Sunday morning for the next seven Sundays instead of showing up once every six weeks. Thinking, well, I got enough to last me for a month. Really? I don't know how you do that. Would you help me? Because I, I get enough for today, and tomorrow I start right back at it. Because I want to keep this cycle. God, I'm in a, I am in a good place. Listen, I'm in a really good place. I'm in a cycle of God's blessing. It's God's favor. I mean, God is just amazing me at how good he is and showing up in so many ways and so many different things. And you just put yourself out there and God just starts leading you and speaking to you. And I mean, it's just victory. I tell you, I'm just so blessed by what God's doing because he's bringing me into these cycles of life and I'm in step, I'm in stride, I'm, I'm in harmony, I'm in unity with the Spirit of God. Listen, let me... I tell you, listen, I was at, I was with Randy Payne the other day. We were having lunch at a place I'd never been to before. I mean, I was, and I've been, you know, I wasn't feeling like 30. I was having a rough time physically. I just wasn't really into it, and I wanted to go home and go to bed. I get in there, but we started fellowshipping and talking about things God's doing, and something just leapt up in my spirit, man, and Randy was just spoke life into me and encouraged me and 
Just, I mean, that's, that's the power of connection. It's the power. It's why you need to be a part of something. Some of you need to break out of your loneliness. You need to get in a city circle. You need to come put yourself out there, get involved with some people because you're going to shrivel up and die in your cycle of death if you stay in that isolated place. And I'm sitting there, and he, we're just getting, I'm just getting a blessed, and, and lunch was really good too because I haven't, I haven't been have much of an appetite and, and stuff, and man, I'm just enjoying lunch. And while I'm eating lunch, I look over at this, the server that was serving us. God spoke to my heart, and he said, I want you to talk to that girl. And I said, what do you want me to say? He said, I want you to tell her that I saw you with your glasses on over this pile of books and papers. The girl didn't even have glasses on. It was a young girl. He said, you tell her I saw her over and frustrated and ready to give up, and you tell her, don't take no for an answer. I called her over. See, I used to, I used to fight with God over that stuff. Now I am, you know, because delayed obedience is nothing more than disobedience. I called her over. I said, ma'am, I don't know you, and you don't know me. But I said, all I can tell you is I'm not half as crazy as you might think I am. And I said, but I'm going to tell you what God showed me while you were standing there and I was sitting here eating my sandwich. I saw you with glasses on, and I said, and I know you don't wear glasses. She said, I do wear glasses. I left them home today. (laughs) That made me feel better. (laughs) And so I went on, and I said, and I saw you frustrated over books and papers and pen in your hand and you you were ready to throw the pen down she started to cry i mean right there in front of everybody she started tearing i mean not just she was tearing streams down her cheeks she said i've been applying for dental school and i've been getting turned down and i felt so hopeless and i felt like giving up and i said hear what the lord says don't take no for an answer. Man, it was just powerful. You see, when, when you're in this cycle and you're, you're walking these things out, all God wants you to do is be available because God has so many awesome things that he will do with you and do for you and do through you. But if you're in a cycle of defeat, a cycle of failure, you know what you see? All you see is your death. I can't. I'm not going to make it. I I don't know how much longer I keep doing this. How how many more times is this going to happen? I get to this point. And so here's what happens. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so what happens, you get your hopes dashed so many times and you know what you do? You give up on your hope. You get your dream beat so many times. You know what you do? You put your dream aside. And you say, it's better that I don't hope or dream because it's better that I don't get disappointed. You see, that's a cycle of defeat. It's a cycle of failure that says, I'm going to hide in this mountain, and then I'm going to come out, and then the enemy's going to take it anyway. Are you with me? Then there's the shackle. I want to explain to you what shackles are, and then we're going to do something prophetically here. 
In, turn, in, in Judges chapter 6, verse, what I have on here? 6 to 8. Let's read it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Israel was greatly impoverished. Impoverished, in poverty, in want, in need. And so they cried out to the Lord. Now, listen to this. Now it came about when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian that the Lord sent a prophet. The Lord sent a man with a prophetic word. The Lord sent someone. And so, because he wanted to break the shackles. Because what happens when you come through cycles, the enemy will try to put shackles on you. Shackles, the definition of, the dictionary definition of shackles is something that prevents action. Simply put, a shackle is a bondage or a chain that restricts your ability to move. Are you with me? And so the shackles come because of cycles in our lives. And the enemy tries to make us think, you know, that I'm doing the best I can. But what really needs to happen, we keep praying, God, just help me in my, in my bondage. And what God says, you're praying the wrong prayer. What you need is freedom. You need to get rid of the shackles and the bondage and the chains that hold you. That's why Jesus said in John 8, he said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed because a lot of the church is trying to serve God out of shackles and bondage and and things that have keeping them from moving and doing I hear people say all the time I would love to do this but oh if I only could I would do this but and see all that represents is a type of shackle that has you and keeps you from doing I want to tell you something once you get broken from the cycles of death and you come into God's work and God's harvest and God's power and God's anointing God's going to take the shackles off of your feet and he's going to give you freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom I thought about this and I saw this picture uh, somebody posted something on Facebook with an elephant, and I thought, well, that's interesting. So I went online, and I want you, I want you to write this down. I know you, the notes didn't get printed. That's all right. You'll live. Write this down, though. Everyone in this room today is living in one of these three places. Cycles, shackles, or freedom. I, I actually called the title that I titled this message was Cycles shackles, and spectacles. So you're living your life either in Egypt, in wilderness, or the promised land. You're either in failure, or you're just surviving, or you're thriving. Are you with me? And the shackles, I, 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 I got to go. So here, here look, check this out. So when you're in shackles, you see that picture on the right? You see those large, beautiful beasts that weigh a couple of thousand pounds a piece at least. I don't know, what, an, what does an elephant weigh? I don't know. I've never been able to pick one up. So, <laughs> but notice, if you look on there, it's, it's kind of hard to see. But all of these elephants are being held with one little chain. This chain runs down, and it's, it's driven into the ground with a three-quarter inch steel stake. You ever been to the circus, you've watched that, you've watched an elephant who's a huge elephant tied up with a little shackle thing around its leg, and it's tied to a little stake that's driven about six. If the, if the elephant wanted to, he could easily break free and run. 
But instead, because, he's been, because they've been brought up in a certain way, they're, they're, they, they go through their performance. And then when they're done performing, see, God didn't create elephants for that. And he didn't create you to just perform. He didn't create you to hide in dens and, and just survive and try, oh, what are, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to get by. God didn't create you just trying to get by. He didn't create you to perform in a circus. He didn't create you so you can find shackles in your life and find yourself restricted and unable to move. God did not create you and send Jesus to go to the cross and pay the ultimate price for you so you could just get by. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He came to break the cycles of failure, to take the shackles off your feet. So get this picture. This is like, you see what they do? This is a baby elephant, an enlarged picture. This is how they train an elephant to not try to resist the shackles because they learn from a little baby And after a, after a while, they just stop fighting. And when that elephant feels that shackle from the baby he's been trained, he can't go anywhere. Can I submit to you this morning that some of you are sitting here today, and because of the way you've lived your life and what, what has transpired in your life, you've had shackles placed around you. And there's been times where you tried to break free, but the enemy would not let you free. Sometimes we try to do it in our own, and we try to do it in our flesh, and we got all messed up even worse by trying to get ourselves free. But because of this and because of how we've been shackled in our lives, many of us, now we're afraid to even try. Now we're afraid to even step out. Now we're afraid to even trust again, hope again, believe again, dream again. Now we're afraid because if we do that, what if it doesn't happen? Let me ask you this. What if it does? What if God's word is true and what if you break those cycles and break those shackles and find out that God, he went to the extreme spectacle. He came and he went to the cross. That was a spectacle. Something was notable. Something you could not overlook. But here's the best part. He didn't just stop at the cross. He went from the cross to the tomb, from the empty tomb to an upper room, an upper room to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where today God invites us to come along and say, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to break you from the cycles of defeat and failure that some of you have been living in. I'm here to tell you something today. I came to tell you, uh, as sure as I'm standing here, by the name and power of Jesus, that those cycles are going to go today. You believe that? All right, Tyler, here's your part of the sermon. So you're a man that's been held by cycles. And prophetically, I want you to take that sign. I want you to take that cycle. I want you, and I want you to destroy it and do it in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. You see, in the name of Jesus, some of you have been wrapping yourself around these cycles and you it's become it's it's the devil's tried to define you by it are you with me 
He's tried to define you because here's what you do. You think about yourself by what you have done, not what he has done. You even think of yourself like what you need to do instead of what he already did for you. You live your life by what, you did, what happened to you yesterday instead of what God's promise is for tomorrow. You live your life from the hell that you've been through instead of the heaven that you're going to. And it's time to break those cycles in your life. And then when you break the cycles, what happens is the shackles have to go. You see, because once you break cycles in your life and you decide, I'm going to sow and keep sowing, and God says, if, if, if I'm faithful and I keep sowing to the Spirit, I'm going to reap from the Spirit. So I trust God in His Word. And therefore, every shackle that's been on my life, every addiction that's been on my life, everything that's tried to destroy me, hold me back, take from me, all those shackles that have tried to hinder me are going to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, Josie, tear them up. Let those shackles go. Hallelujah. I can't think of anyone better than you right there holding that sign. Because I tell you, we had this little powwow this week. There's coming. Listen to me. God is about to throw a great big Holy Ghost party. And he's about to pour out the freedom and the joy and the victory that he paid for in every one of you. All right, I need you all to stand with me. I need you all to stand with me. I'm going to quit. I could preach two more hours. That's what 30-year-olds do. You guys can be seated. All right, I got a, I got a little music here. I, I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, I don't need y'all. I, I don't mean it like that. I can't wait till tonight. You need to be here tonight. See, we're going we're gonna to dance all over the devil tonight. We're going to have a Thanksgiving time. We, we, ha we have freedom in the time. We don't, it's not like we got to get all this stuff in. Now, that's what bothers me about Sunday morning sometimes. It's like, God, how are we going to do all this? And how do you do this all? And we get out of here by, by 4 o'clock. Uh, but if it's a night, it's 6 o'clock, you come. We're just going to worship God. Then we're going to have some pie and coffee. And we're going to, I want you to come and bring a seed tonight. We're going to sow a seed into this worship team with some things that, that, that are needed for, the, for them to help just bring up their game a notch. I heard this song, and, and because we, we haven't, we, I, I think we used to do this song ages and ages ago. But this song is significant because uh, when I heard, I actually, we were at East Chicago Friday night with our accountability team and the guys that I'm accountable to and I meet with, and we were at Pastor Moses's in the harbor Friday night. It was such a great time. Pastor Fleming brought an amazing word, and the worship team just did an amazing job. They started the worship service with a song. Man, that was awesome. I danced. I mean, listen, I got two artificial knees and I can outdance most of you. <laughs> I outspin you. I know it's a charismatic can can. I mean, I can't walk to see, but I can do the charismatic can can. Some of you do the charismatic can't or won't. 
And he said, I, I, that used to bug me too, you know, like how come people, how come some people don't know even, how come they don't really get lost in worship? I, I, you know, and I wondered that, you know, I, and then I realized, you know what it is? If you know what you've been brought free from and how the price God paid for you and you know what sins God has delivered you from, if you've been saved and set free from a lot, you'll shout a lot. If you've, been in a, if you've been in a deep part of hell, you'll go into a high part of heaven because that's just how it works. And if you don't feel like you've been forgiven much, you won't shout much. I feel sorry for you. Because this ain't got nothing to do with the color of your skin. It's all about the condition of your heart. So I want Alec or is Alec or Tina play this little song. I want you y'all pick this up. We're gonna close and we're gonna give an altar call. Listen to this. Come on, crank it up. Yeah, come on. Sing it now. No more shackles. No more.